Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our inaugural edition of Three C's in a Pod, where we look at the good, the bad, and what could be better with control, comp points, and cosmetics in the world of communication and public affairs. I'm your host, Bashan Mann. Joining me today are John Schofield and Chris Travella. Gents, are we ready to start this adventure? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm uh, pumped. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Listen, before we get going, let's talk about the name of our pod, why we chose it, give people an understanding of, uh, of where this all came from. Our team has media trained and prepared hundreds of Department of Defense uniformed and civilian senior leaders over the last two decades using those three C's, controls, com points, and cosmetics as the guideposts to success. During our weekly podcast, we will use the same rubric to look at the week's highs and lows in communication, talk a little shop about the latest PR trends, and then gaze out on the horizon as to what you can expect in the week ahead. So, without any further ado, gentlemen, let's jump into our first segment, The Rearview Mirror. John, I'll start with you. Uh, What stood out to you in the world of communication, uh, what we're seeing out there since the new year? Well, Bash, I think... As we get into the new year, you're looking at a much more decentralized environment for communication. How are you getting your messages in this more jungle-like atmosphere of, of lack of control? Uh, certainly Twitter plays a very large role in that. So mm-hmm. an avid Pod Save America listener as I am, the, the left-wing liberal pinko commie I am, the, the Pod Save America guys talked a lot about how to better use Twitter and how their use of Twitter will change going forward in the new year in sort of a resolution type of context. And it's interesting in that even for guys who are really connected into the political arena as they are, it it was very obvious to me that they use Twitter an awful lot in order to understand what messages are out there in the battle space. So you look at the situation in Washington right now with the government shutdown, a lot of your messaging going out and being received is happening through means that five, ten years ago, I don't know if we would have, if we would have expected or predicted um, that they are trying to, to discuss the narrative of the government shutdown uh, through tweets from the president or through... Um, tweet comebacks from new members of Congress or returning members of Congress or even Speaker Pelosi. So it's very interesting to me that gone are the days of your traditional messaging, your traditional um, narrative, and and now what you've got is this this completely out of control um, tweet cycle where people are expecting information on Twitter, retweeting things that they may not have even read or understood, and then it just goes round and round and round. And and a part of me is actually kind of downtrodden about that. That how do we get into that into that environment and and inject those three C's into you know whatever any company or or person needs. Okay, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think you know if you were to look, you know, we call this the the rear view. Um, so if you were to look at the last week, I mean, John, exactly what you said. I mean, it has been this uh, uncontrolled space of, you know, tweet, counter-tweet, 
uh, statement, TV interview, um, and, and I mean, you know, that that's really nothing new, but it, it really does provide, a, I think, a challenge when you talk about control, right? I mean, you know, hey, the intent of my message is X, and so I want to pick a medium, I want to pick a channel that allows me to get X out. Um, it's just, uh, you've got to now anticipate not only putting X together, but how is X going to be received? How is it going to be manipulated? What is the other side um, that you're, you know, that's receiving X? How does it respond to it? So um, the the crowded uh, jungle-like space, as you said, uh, really does make it a challenge. I think it, it makes it more of a planning challenge Right. I mean, there are folks that want to just roll up their sleeves and dive right in, but I think you've really got to think about the branches and sequel of where your message is going to go um, in this environment now more than ever. So you talked about planning challenge, uh, receipt of message. Let's look at one specific case that, that we all talked about uh, off air. Um, when you talk about a specific Department of Defense entity, uh, Strategic Command, right. um, would either one of you like to start that conversation about a specific tweet that was put out and then subsequently uh, got a, enough of a reaction that they had to pull it down? New Year's Eve, the U.S. Strategic Command, um, I think, tried to connect uh, you know, what was a trending topic of New Year's Eve and the ball dropping in... Um, Times in, Square. In Times Square, right. thanks. And, uh, and then kind of related to what they do, and that's dropping conventional and nuclear bombs and uh, try to make that, that connection. Here, here's an example of where they lost control immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't really think through the uh, cosmetics of, hey, how's this going to be received? You, you know, you've got the ball dropping in what is a happy, you know, kiss your loved one type moment juxtaposed to a B-2 bomber dropping bombs in the desert. Um, so the cosmetics were off from the beginning. And then their comp point of, hey, we're here to protect you, just did, didn't match up. So it's sort of three strikes and, and, and you're out. And I feel for them because I think it was done in the best intention, right? They wanted to, they tried this kind of kitschy, uh, joking way to connect what they do day to day to, um, to New Year's Eve. And boy, the feedback and the response was just horrible. But it's tough, right? Like, it, sometimes, it, and, and it requires communicators or even leaders, both for that matter, to have this sort of prescient idea of what the, of what the battle space will look like and how stuff like that will be received. There are times that that tweet would come out and people would be like, look at Stratcom, they're just, they're hilarious. You know, what, how great is that? And we can talk about any number, dozens of examples of traditional, like very rigid organizations who get outside of the box of normal communication and tweet something witty or pithy, and, and they're applauded for it because it falls into a really unique set of timing. Um, I, I work in my current capacity for state government, and last year during a snowstorm, you know, we, we were trying to actually be a little less businesslike about things and, and try to laugh at the fact that it just kept snowing and the roads just kept getting um, delays. And, and we were trying to, to communicate with our customers about how frustrating it is when, when the snow impacts their travel. And so there was a very famous meme, I think it's, God, what is it, like five or six years ago now, maybe even 10 years old, 
the video of the woman in front of the house or the apartment complex with the fire in the back and and the reporter is asking her a question and she's like, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. You know, and, and the, the meme or the video is actually a very popular thing online. And so, you know, right there from my perch in the operations center about the fact that we have more delays and more snow on the way, I attached that meme and I said, hey, more snow is on the way. I know that's frustrating. And then I had the little, the little video clip that said, ain't nobody got time for that. And I've actually, I've loved that video. I think it's hilarious. It played on The Daily Show a bunch and, and, on, um, and on the show on HBO with John Oliver. But, man, it just didn't happen at the right time, and we got smoked. I got, I got tweets back at me. We got calls into our call center. Hey, that's inappropriate. It's mean-spirited. And at the time, I really thought it was going to be received in, the, in a nice manner. I thought it was hilarious. But... Like Stratcom, I, I didn't necessarily think, despite my years of experience, what the second and third order effects might have been. But in my defense, it could have, what, what happened, what would happen if the first two or three responses on Twitter would, were from very reputable sources saying, that's hilarious, good on you, way to make, way to make light of a, you know, of a tough situation, state highway administration, way to go. So it's just tough. You know, sometimes you just don't know what the environment is going to be and how it's going to be, how that tweet or piece of information is going to be received, get run through the wash, and then spit out with feedback. The important thing, guys, obviously, is listening to the feedback. Uh, You know, I think the, um, my willingness to take that risk, John, to uh, try to be edgy and cute and funny in a way to of you know with the goal of kind of grabbing the audience so that they pay attention later on boy I, I'm a lot less willing to take that risk now I think that's what I learned over the last year yeah. um, I, I mean it just it the the risk reward proposition of trying to be cute or funny or ironic um, especially in government man it, it is a uh, it, 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 it's a high bar to try to get over you know, to, to make, uh, make it successful. If I may, it, and you mentioned, you mentioned risk and to go back to the, to the planning of it, I will say what, and there's a lot of things we can sort of pick and, you know, grab at that are out there in, in popular culture and news media right now. Um, it doesn't, here's how we minimize risk. When we talk about diversity in the boardroom, in that think tank, do we have women in there? Do we have per- per- persons of color in there? Um, you know, g- again, gender diversity, um, uh, sexual diversity, uh, sexual orientation diversity, excuse me. Um, and then when we have people that we can say, hey, look, if I put this out, if we, if we put this out as a company, as an organization, what's the reaction going to be here, 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 and here? And then you have that feedback right there rather than people trying to be siloed, you know, and, and make like, oh, this will, you know, this will be funny or whatever. So there are ways, I think, to minimize that risk. And, and it's tough in, in that space and time, you know, at, at New Year's Eve at Stratcom, are they really vetting something as, as tactical as just a single tweet? Right. Are, you, are you running that through? I, I'm not sure, but I think the important thing is you need to understand the space and time, make the decision, but be ready to deal with the consequences when they, when they come back, good or bad. And, right. and how you roll with those punches that's really how you define yourself as a communicator on behalf of an organization. Like, hey, we took a shot, didn't work. 
let's let's work it next time and how stratcom handled the after effect can can be debated back and forth but you know it's it's certainly a risk well it's, and it's going to be something that i think we wrestle with here as uh, communicators and leaders throughout business and government you know wrestle with this it it, it really is i mean i hate to be trite but it, it really is a different world um, and uh, hopefully through conversations like this and vast to your point conversations in the boardroom you kind of limit, uh, you know, by having the conversation ahead of time, you're going to limit the mistakes that you make in, in execution. All right, gentlemen, listen, we're up against our first break here. Um, spirited discussion. I know we're going to have more of that. Something tells me in the future we're going to be able to uh, to go a little bit further, uh, do more of a uh, deep dive. You like how I segued that right there? Uh, into that subject. Nice so listen, submarine reference. There you go. Um, so listen, we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into deep dive where we're going to get down into a specific subject, uh, get down into the details of it, and then uh, uh, hear some in-depth discussion. At ProVision Advisors, we prepare your team for the challenges and what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Go to www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Let us solve your toughest problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. All right, welcome back to Three Season of Pod. We appreciate you joining us, sticking with us. Uh, next up, we're going to jump into Deep Dive, where we look at one particular subject, uh, get down into the nitty-gritty. Uh, today, we're going to talk about, I guess to sort of sum this up, it would be uh, assessing where you are, uh, goal setting for your organization. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say on this? Well, I mean, it's that time of year, right? First week of January, um, you know, we're through the holidays. Uh, resolution. Resolution time, right? <laughs> I've found that now's a great time to do that for your organization, um, and especially on the communication side. It makes perfect sense to think about, hey, what have we done over the last year? How has that been successful? Um, and then you make the whole organization get on the keto diet. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. After everybody's on the keto diet and you are all back in the gym, uh, then you look and say, hey, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Where do we want to make changes? So we wrote about this on, on the website. Yes. We, uh, we put out um, a, a blog that kind of takes you through. And I, I would recommend that people go and check that out. Go to provisionadvisors.net. Uh, go to the blog section and check out this, this particular blog. But we teed up three questions, uh, the first being, uh, you know, how, are we on track? Uh, the second being, where, uh, where, are changes, where do changes need to be made? And, and the third, kind of broadly, is, you know, what, what kind of help do I need? And that, that's the point that I wanted to, uh, to really talk about is, is I think a lot of people are, are comfortable and, and decent at tweaking what they can do within their own control. But uh, when, do you, when are you honest with yourself? When do you look in the mirror and say, hey, we don't have the capability, we don't have the people, we don't have the capacity to do the things that we need to do to make our strategy work. And so I need to go get some help. That's tough, though. It, organizationally, sociologically, for people to actually come out and say, we don't have the indigenous capability to do this because it, 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 it has this stigma of like weakness to it, right? Hey, if we can't do this, if we need help, then why do we need you, ex-employee? If, if you can't carry this out on your own, why did we hire you in the first place? So it's, it's an interesting thing um, in terms of a dynamic in the workplace, 
how do you face that fact that you do need help, that you do need to cross-reference something or just QA it with some other organization as to helping you get to that permanent solution or get to that solution you want for greatness in your organization. I, I would just encourage you that, particularly in the communication sphere, we've all thought, and we've all done this for years and years and years, and we've all thought that we have the code cracked on it. Right. But it really, really helps. Just in my state government uh, world, I've taken ideas from my leadership. I've taken emails. I've taken communication strategies. And, and so I'm not just so absorbed in my own little world. I'll still take it and QA it and throw it to you guys. Throw it to other friends I have in, in the communications world because sometimes you get so wrapped up in your own you know, organizational ethos that you're not necessarily thinking of you know, the second and third order effects again that you guys as outsiders might be able to provide you know, with your... Um, you know, lack of immersion in that issue. So that that's kind of the informal way of asking for help, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the, hey, you know, communication buddy. Hey, bro, help me out. Right, yeah. check, check on this, tell me what you think. I, I mean, Bash, you and your job now um, and, and in other jobs that you've had over the last couple of years, you have been uh, a part of putting together mobile training teams, right? So that would kind yes. of be that second way of getting help. Bring a team in, have them do a short-term look, kind of train the trainer or, you know, train the expert type, type thing. Um, what works, what doesn't work about that? I think perhaps the the best thing about a mobile training team or having, you know, bringing in an outside entity to look at your organization, uh, to train uh, to train your, 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 your members, your team, is the diversity of thought, that you you know that you bring to the to the commerce right conversation. Yeah. Hey, this is the way you know. I I know I know nothing about your company except what I have researched in the last couple of weeks. Okay, but here's a problem that you are facing. Here's how you used to deal with it. Well, how about I give you a different way to look at it, uh, a different perspective. And I I can tell you from my just like my own uh, growth. Uh, throughout my career, I've gone into so many things where I thought, I've gone to X school, I've gone through X training, I know how to do this, I'm going to do this the Bashan man way. And then you find that, well, maybe you could have actually done this a more effective way, a more efficient way, had you just opened up you know, your aperture a little bit wider uh, to allow for something else uh, to show, I mean, like that—that's the the basis upon how which we learn, right? But, and how that, we expand. Yeah, you're trying to. It, it's tough, though, organizationally, to ask leaders or leaders in communication to check their experience and their egos at the door and open themselves up for that for that new perspective because they they obviously think they know it better than anybody. You know, so how do you in a mobile training team environment? How do you tell them, hey, you're all jacked up? Don't say you're all jacked up. Like, how do you how do you assuage those fears that you're actually exposing some lack of capability they have? Well, that that I mean, that to me is is the key right there. Is um, how how do I, as the person that's asking for help, 
either for myself or on behalf of the organization, how do we get something out of it? And I know that that's similar when you're leading the training team. Like, how do you make sure that you give something? So whether it's like asking your buddy for help, which John talked about, right? So how do you do it in a way that you actually get something out of it instead right. of just somebody's opinion? Or on the mobile training team side, like, hey, opinions are great. You ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. But I need something that I can, you know, learn and then put into practice so we get better. Yeah, and that's the savviness with which a, a PR a communicator has to has to work within right like you have to be able to sell ice to an Eskimo that's that you know for lack of a better term like hey listen you've spent the money to get me in here get me in the door you spend the time uh, and your uh, the time of your team members to, to get me in here get my team in here to train me well let me show you mm-hmm. let, let me actually show you how you can do this better listen I don't know any CEO CFO out there that doesn't want to see success in their bottom line let me show you how you can do that. And, and take what I have to offer here. Look, I can show you. Give, give me X amount of time. Here, this will work. So l- let me take it one step further, and John, I'll throw this to you. So you've now, like, l- l- if you view this from a crawl, walk, run, and the crawl is you ask your buddy, your buddy gave you some input, you, you decided, hey, let me bring a mobile training team in. Hey, you got something out of it. But what you realize is, is hey, we don't, we don't have this capability resident on the staff or even if we do, maybe we want more of it. So now I want to bring a consultant in, right? I want to bring somebody in for a little bit longer than just a one or two day mobile training team. I have always been petrified of this. Petrified that one, I'm going to get my value out of it. Two, that they're going to kind of fit in. Uh, or And three, that I'm going to get my communication effort back that they're not just going to hijack it. How, how does that work on, you know, your thoughts on both sides of that? Well, it's tough, right? It, it, again, referring to how this whole thing is viewed through pop culture you just look at that consultant idea and all of a sudden you're in office space and the two bobs are in there looking at your organization and asking you know what would you say you do here um and and that's that's difficult Uh, you 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 want to believe that you're going to extract value from the uh on station advice and counsel and and products of a consultant but you have to get over that fear that that it's just going to end up with you getting uh, subjugated or uh, you not getting the value out of that consultant in the first place. So it, it can it can almost be polar uh, in terms of the extremes of the fear. So I think the the big thing is is trust. You you have to you have to trust that you brought those people in to consult and communicate for you. Um, and, and know that the product coming out is going to work for you, but you have, to, you have to evaluate and hold them accountable. And often when this happens, you don't have a lot of time, you know, because I think, what, probably eight and a half times out of ten, you're bringing those people in. You know, you're not bringing them in when everything's hunky-dory and you're on like, right. hey, it's prom night and everything's great. You're bringing them in when it's that break glass in case of emergency thing. The, the biggest example I can think of is the University of Maryland football thing where, uh-huh. hey, Jordan McNair is dead and, and what do you do? You know, because you're getting slayed in the press right now. How do you communicate this? And, and I know for a fact that they had to bring in a consultant firm to help them communicate communicate the empathy, communicate the the repercussions that were going to come down organizationally with the football program and the athletic department. And you don't have a whole lot of time to sit there and say, hey, walk me through what you're going to do, consultant firm. You're just going to have to say, hey, help us out because we're on the front page of the Washington Post every day. I, I teach 
crisis communications, and I start off every class by telling, <laughs> telling them, you have to have a plan. Take the time to have a plan in place so that whenever the catastrophe comes down the, you know, comes your direction, you know at least the first, second, maybe third steps that you need to take in order to follow through. We can look at a ton of examples. Right. We could sit here all day long, right? Starbucks, H&M, um, even, you know, I, I had referenced um, uh, the McDonald's Malay down in, in St. Petersburg, Florida earlier and just how, or, or maybe I didn't, I, can't, I think we were maybe off air talking about it. McDonald's couldn't, couldn't get out there fast enough all right, in terms of in terms of how to respond uh, to that whole melee before things start going south on you, um, and organizations again, I'll always go back. It's about who's in that boardroom, who's in that room making decisions, and do you have the right people in there so that you whatever idea that you're throwing out there, that you're not doing it in a vacuum, that you have uh, a diverse team in there that can communicate their. Uh, their thoughts, uh, and not just be, you know, uh, linear. Do you worry a lot, though, that that, that number of voices will decentralize the message? No, like no, 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 not at all, not at all. I want I want smart people, and I don't care what your background is. First of all, I want you from a background of you know what you're talking about. That's the only background that I want. Well, you, you, should, know, you, you should know what you're talking about if you're in the room in the first place, but sometimes that's not the case. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is not always the case. Uh, listen, gentlemen, again, another spirited discussion. Uh, Chris, thank you for jumping, uh, jumping on that right there and getting us started. Uh, we're running up against a, a, our next break here, uh, but we're going to uh, close this out, uh, and then we will jump into uh, what's on the horizon next. So this is Three Season of Pod. We'll be back. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. For a free consultation, go to our website at www.provisionadvisors.net or send us an email at info at provisionadvisors.net. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, welcome back to Three Season of Pod. I'm your host, Bashan Mann. Time for us to uh, jump into our last segment. Uh, we call this On the Horizon. Uh, we're going to go around the table and sort of look at uh, what we can expect out there in the next week or two um, in the world of communication. What we, uh, what we see out there is going to be some hot topics discussed uh, in and out of the news. Yeah, I'll hop on this. You want to so, hop on that, John? Um, so just an example of how you need to always evolve your approach to reaching people. If you live out in Western Maryland, like in Oakland, and you're checking the State Highway Administration Twitter feed, 90% of the tweets you're getting from the State Highway Administration are involving issues in the greater D.C. and Baltimore region. Hey, there's a major conflagration on the Baltimore Beltway. All lanes are closed. Hey, we've got this major project down um, on the D.C. Beltway, 495 near Andrews Air Force Base. And if I'm out in Oakland, I look at that Twitter feed and I'm looking for anything that's happening in that little localized area. I'm looking for something 
for something that's more relevant to me, colloquial to, to that area where I'm at. And, and so how do you do that then? How do you then reach those audiences that want that more niche and personalized information? And, and that's where we're, we're sort of evolving ourselves from that standard news release and standard social media posture to create specialized Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts for projects themselves. So, so all news is local. Yeah. So now, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to scroll through all the shaft that you've got on your big Facebook page. So now what I think you need to do organizationally and, and philosophically as we get into the new year, I think people need to look at decentralizing their comms and getting more satellite specialized accounts um, or, or strategies to reach those smaller audiences. So we're going to opt test this and see how it goes, um, you know, see how many followers we'll get. We're going to try to pump those accounts up by retweeting it from the main accounts. You know, when I used to work at the Naval Academy, if I wanted a tweet or a Facebook post to really get a lot of visibility, I used to call the coach, you know, the football coach, Coach Nia Matsuolo, and I'd be like, hey, can you retweet this thing really quick because you have like a million followers and I want a lot of people to see this. So now we can build the followership for these for these more niche accounts, these localized accounts to get them information about this project. That way they don't have to get frustrated by scrolling through a bunch of crap or going on our website. Gone, I think, are the days of looking for a news release and looking at a website and trying to get an update and, and getting lost in all the information out there. They want a specialized location to get that little piece that's going to affect them. Chris? So for me on the horizon, uh, uh, I'm really looking closely at personal and organizational branding. As you look at the big picture, it's harder to, uh, to kind of break through. It's harder to get through that noise. So this idea of personal branding and um, organizational branding in the genuineness of that brand I think is more and more important. We're here in the DMV area, news dominated by what's going on up, up on the hill. So whether it's uh, you know new congressmen and women coming into town and really establishing their their uh, particular brand, or if it's in the Department of Defense, you know the new Secretary of uh, or the Acting Secretary of Defense establishing his brand. I want to look at those folks and how they establish that brand and are they able to carry that brand over? And then is that um, is that a true view of what their communication approach will will be? Um, I, I know as we kind of look at our business and what we think we can provide to organizations, that's something that we want to uh, to offer up to potential clients is, hey, what, what, who are you? What are you most proud of? And then how do we make sure that you are living that brand in your own communication or taking full advantage of that brand in, in your communication? So that, I would say, you know, as the new year starts, that, that's kind of where my head is. That's fantastic. I, uh, I agree uh, with the points that you both bring up. Uh, for myself, again, uh, I guess on a personal level, is in keeping in mind, keeping in mind with what we are uh, able to offer. I'm looking out on the horizon with learning, uh, yeah. as we, you know, we talked about politics, but also pop culture, things that are going on. So, like right now, I'm paying attention to uh, the conversation uh, started just the other day with the the newcoming class of uh, of congressmen and women. Uh, some of the language being used, right? And so that's, you know, like that's dominating the news cycle. I'm sure we'll see it on the Sunday shows uh, and how that plays out. And I just, I want to sit and watch it and, and, and listen to how both sides uh, face up to it, 
uh, lean into it a little bit and, uh, and where it goes from there. I also, I don't know if you saw where Kevin Hart, the Kevin Hart deal with the Oscars, all right, and how that blew up uh, a few weeks back. And he goes on Ellen uh, just the other day, and she's, at, you know, advocating uh, for him to, you know, be back on the Oscars. Please reconsider. You know, I think she even called the Oscars to say, hey, whatever. But as you listen to the uh, Twitter universe and, and, and other places out there, and you see where it's like, well, actually, he, he didn't apologize for what he said. And, uh, and, and that, you know, and where he could have simply said, you know what, I am sorry. And it's okay, even if that happened X number of years ago. And if you feel, if you see where people are demanding another apology, it's really easy to actually say, yes, you know what? I was wrong then. I am sorry for how I operated then. And we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in that place. But now it's almost as if the hole has gotten deeper. So it's very interesting to me to see how people dig their heels in on a subject and try and fight against the, that, that tide. Uh, and, 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 you know, maybe uh, read the tea leaves uh, incorrectly. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking at that out on the horizon and, and, and how that plays out. Uh, gentlemen, this has been a, a very spirited conversation uh, for an inaugural podcast. Uh, I, I hope uh, we, did, we did an excellent job. But what I want to do here before we close out is just go around the table uh, one quick uh, time here, just allow uh, for a few moments to get your thoughts on uh, where things are going uh, with provision, uh, how you're feeling about us in the communication space, uh, what folks need to look out for. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that what I'm really looking out for um, going forward is is exactly um, how you manage timing with um, and and your evaluation of the news cycle and and how things are going to hit. Uh, just the other night, um, you had that situation where Pat Chambers, the head coach of the Penn State uh, basketball team, shoved one of his players, and normally would make a lot of news. Um, and it really came out as a blip. Now, a lot of it took, uh, a lot of it uh, was due to the fact that the head coach came out and took immediate culpability and responsibility and apologized, but it's also taking place in a larger framework right now when the stock market is tanking, although Friday it did all right, um, but you're in the midst of a government shutdown, you've got everything else going on. So I want people to think about, and what I'm going to keep watching for is, how news resonates when other things are dominating the cycle. Yeah, you, we always used to say in our world, hey, put out that bad press release right when that celebrity death takes place. And I, I was always at the Naval Academy looking for that Brad Pitt death right. to put out the bad, uh, the bad press release. Unfortunately, Brad, Brad, I don't want you to die. I'm, I'm on board, Brad. I, I hope you're a listener. But that's, that's what I'm looking at. It's very interesting how some things blow up and some things don't. And it's due entirely to how the attention of the media and the news cycle is directed elsewhere based on other more strategic big-time events. All right. Chris? So for me, it's about being value-added. Uh, how, how can we make the most of this 30 to 40 minutes to be value-added? Much like you would send an email or pick up the phone and call a friend uh, and get some help uh, in your communication problem. Uh, value-added in our consulting life, you, you know, how, how can we make sure that we get in, uh, help groups identify problems, fix problems, make their team better, uh, and then go away uh, and then be available when they need us to come back. So as we start this new year, as we start this new podcast, for me, it's about being value-added. 
Beautiful, beautiful. I think uh, we'll leave it right there, you know, a little provision guidance for you. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or go to our website, provisionadvisors.net, and listen from the web. We welcome your feedback, so please comment below. Gentlemen, it's been great. Thank you very much. Until next week, next be week. good, yeah. be better, be safe. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, folks. Thank you for listening to Three Season a Pod. Have a good week.